Welcome in, I'm your host, Darren Hobbs, alongside me, Trey Watson. You're listening to From the Nosebleed, where we give you the true fans' perspective and analysis on all things Titans. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, at FTNB Podcast. Alright, Trey, how the heck are you? Oh, pretty solid, best I can do, I guess. Coming off another W, a little bit uh, in higher spirits. Also, this is a pretty special show. Uh, later in the show, we'll uh, have an interview with special guest uh, Jim Wyatt of Titans Online. Don't titansonline.com anybody who claims to be a titans fan knows the name jim wyatt so that's gonna be pretty cool yeah pretty excited about that um let's go ahead and dive right in talking about the talking about the dolphins game uh we'll get we'll just go right off the bat like we always do with our what we saw this is kind of just a segment where we break down one or two things that we kind of saw during the game that that caught our eye um for me i'll go first uh this was a game where the Titans overcame three or four plays that have kept them from winning close games in recent weeks. Um, after the last couple of losses, you've heard Malarkey say that, and not just Malarkey, but players as well in the locker room, that this team is close. Uh, we're right where we want to be, which, I mean, when we were one and three, you don't really want coach and players to say we're right where we want to be and we're close. We're like, we're right there. Like, that's, that's not what the fan base wants to hear. <laughs> Uh, they want to see results, and uh, this week we got results, and he was right. Um, in previous games, that there, I mean, there were a couple p- penalties and key plays that you can point to that led to us losing the game. I mean, against against uh, Oakland, it was it was penalties, and then against Houston, it was it was giving up big plays like the punt return and just bad penalties giving the other team points. Uh, this week that didn't happen. We avoided penalties. I mean, we only had, um, I think we only had five penalties the whole game, something like that. We, I mean, we didn't have hardly any penalties at all. It wasn't really an issue. Um, and then Marcus Mariota, who we've been kind of questioning his play the first four games of the season, um, cleaned up his act in a major way. Um, turnover-free game, and he had four total touchdowns, three through the air and one on the ground. Um so we gave up big plays on special teams still. I mean, that's that's been plaguing us. Obviously, um, the firing of Bobby April didn't seem to bring much change. Still let up a punt return for a touchdown. So we've got to clean that up. But I mean, in every other aspect, um, offense and defensively, the both sides of the ball really complement each other. The offense didn't turn the ball over so they wouldn't put they weren't putting the defense in bad situations forcing them to get stops and get off the field and defensively I mean we we turned it over they got they forced two turnovers and set the offense up in good spots so uh, overall it was, it was a good game I mean um, scoreline and the statistics show that yeah it's about time we have a, a good game it's I know that we are we've been well we've always been really optimistic especially about this team um and it's finally it's finally it's good to finally see the team that we know that we can be put into fruition like we've actually seen the team that we could be and what we've been waiting to see the whole season so far yeah i mean it was good and i mean if you look at the stat line Titans really dominated every category. Um, there were times when I was watching the game, and I mean, every week, me and you were texting back and forth during the game, and I could tell that you were really excited watching the game. And then, honestly, while I was watching it, I was just kind of like, mm, "This, 
this really isn't that impressive. Like, I, I feel like we're still not playing that well. I mean, yeah, we didn't turn it over, but I mean, I don't know. There was just something about me watching it. Maybe I've just adopted this <laughs> pessimistic mood when I'm watching the Titans and I'm really not convinced or satisfied until the game is over. Um, but when I finally sat down and started doing uh, some research for the show and I was looking at the statistics and the box score, I mean, first downs, Titans 23, Dolphins 8. Total yards, we almost doubled them. Titans, 398 total yards. Dolphins, 200. Rushing yards, Titans, 235. Dolphins, 51. And then one of the biggest stats of the game was sacks. Titans, six sacks. Dolphins, zero. I think, I don't even think Marcus had to clean his jersey after this game. <laughs> I mean, he'd probably just wear it again next week. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, uh, uh, I'll get to mine in a little bit, but kind of a preview is uh, actually last year in the Dolphins game, we got sacked six times. So it was yeah, nice to see that return, uh, flipped around there. Being you got to witness that one in person. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the one game we we always try to go to at least one game. And, uh, I mean, with us being in different cities and having school schedules, work schedules, it's difficult, but we managed to get to the Dolphins game together last year. And well, and we picked it because we were like, yeah, for sure we can beat the yeah. Dolphins. Yeah, because the Dolphins had just fired, uh, what was his name, Joe Philbin? They had just fired their head coach, so I mean, we were looking at that schedule two or three weeks in advance, and it was like, bam, mark it down, W. They're, <laughs> they're firing their coach, we're going to just wreck these guys. Nope, nope, nope. We got obliterated. <laughs> yeah, six sacks. Total rushing yards of 63. Solid. Yeah. Life before DeMarco. Yeah. Good old. That was probably that was probably a mix between Antonio Andrews and uh, Bishop Sankey there. Yeah. What a duo. Yeah, what a duo. <laughs> so uh, well, let's go ahead and let's get to yours. What's uh, what's your what we saw this week? Uh, yeah, you see? It was a uh, it was right after the game. Um, we've. Um, during the game, we all that they were um, talking about was how how much better our offensive line was. How Pro Football Focus has us ranked as the best offensive line in the NFL. I mean, not to mention um, Taylor Lewan. They have the um, listed as the best tackle in the NFL, and uh, Jake Conklin. I always say Jack Conklin. Uh, Jake Conklin. Oh, you no. Is it <laughs> no. Jack Conklin? Come on, Trey. Dude, I'm never gonna get it right. I'm just gonna keep. We have integrity to uphold here, dude. <laughs> you're I... like the you're like the guy that calls into 104.5 and complains about Marcus Mariota. <laughs> well, he's just gonna be. It's just gonna be Jake or Jack, whatever it is. His name is Jack. Okay. Well, Jack. we all know who I'm talking about. So, I mean, he's he's ranked what like fifth, and he's a rookie. So, yeah, I mean, Pro Football Focus loves the Titans' offensive line, and in particular, matter of fact, so do I. This line looks good, like really, really good. Yes, refreshing from which. Uh, which honestly, after three or four years of complaining about the offensive line and like the front office actively doing things to try and improve it, for it to finally be like I'll go ahead and say, for it to finally be a finished product and for it to finally be a well-functioning offensive line in this league. It's a relief. We can finally stop worrying about the offensive line, barring any injuries or setbacks, and focus on the other areas of this roster that need attention. Yeah, so you're you're in love with the offensive line now, but just wait until you hear the stats that I've got to say. You're going to be 
just blown out of the water. Okay, so so what I decided to do after uh, after watching the game, after watching our offensive line, watching how well we how well we were playing, how well we were opening up holes for DeMarco to get some yardage, even Derrick Henry to get some yardage. Both of them had some great plays. Uh, even Marcus had a few uh, good runs there. Um, also, no sacks. The first game, we have had zero sacks since week nine of last season, which is the glorious Saints win in overtime that we won last year, which I'm sure we all remember. But um, So what I decided to do was I was curious. I was curious to see how well we have improved from this point last season to um, obviously this point in this season. So what I did is I compared uh, some what you would call some offensive line stats, I guess, some offensive line uh, key stats that they have to deal with. I would compare the first five games of both seasons, so uh, I'm not going to really go into every single game, but what I will do is I'll do the total of the first five games of the 2015 season, which is the first five games we allowed, uh, uh, our quarterback was sacked 20 times in the first five games. Seven of those were against Cleveland, and six of those were against the Miami Dolphins. Let that sink in for a second. Seven sacks against the Cleveland Browns. Arguably the worst team in the NFL. How That's just absolutely pathetic. That, that is pathetic. I mean, that set alone, like, there should be, like, NFL policy. If the Cleveland Browns <laughs> sack you seven times... It should be like it should be like soccer, like European soccer. You should just be relegated to the arena football. You've got to play in the Big Ten for one season, and then you can come back. Up. <laughs> exactly. You gotta. You have to beat Rutgers seventy-eight to nothing, like Michigan did, before you can come back to the NFL. All right, and then we uh, we look at rushing yards. This one, this was a pretty uh, solid stat. This is we we were allowed to rush for. 573 rushing yards uh, during the first five games, which isn't horrible. I mean, considering who we had as our uh, running back core, we were we were uh, doing running back by committee with um, Anto- or not Antonio uh, Andrews and uh, Sankey, which I mean, honestly, not the best duo. Um, we only had four rushing touchdowns, which actually is the amount of rushing touchdowns we have this season. So I really didn't think that that had a lot to play in it. Um, a big one, 31 tackles for loss in the first five games for a loss of 166 yards. That one's huge. So really the two biggest were the sacks and the tackles for loss, I think. So if we go and uh, compare that to this year, the biggest one I think is sacks. We've only had seven sacks. This entire the first five games of this entire season, we had seven sacks, like we said, against the Cleveland Browns last year in game two. So week two, we already surpassed seven sacks. Then we go to rushing yards. We have almost 200 more rushing yards this season than we did last season at this point, looking at 743, which that's huge, right? And then tackles for loss, we're looking at... 23 instead of 31 for 85. I mean, majority of those are obviously going to be sacks for tackles for loss. So obviously the 20 instead of the seven is going to play a lot bigger deal. But yeah, and I mean, just those stats alone, I thought were just amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. 
And I mean, like you said, I mean, Pro Football Focus is a is a good uh, source. They're very reliable. Sometimes you got to pick and choose which stats you use with them because they don't they don't use the eye test. So there's there's the occasional outlier where they'll grade a player really high when or really low without actually seeing the game and knowing what factors contributed to that play or whatever. But I think when in terms of offensive line play and stuff like that, they're the statistics and the algorithms and stuff that they use to come up with their numbers are very reliable. I mean, they've got the Titans rated as the number one offensive line. Taylor Lewan is the top tackle in the league, and Jack Conklin, Jack Conklin, is uh, <laughs> the fifth rated tackle in the league. And I mean, and, and losing Chance Warmack um, honestly hasn't even really hurt the team hardly at all. Uh, Josh Klein has filled in well, so it's good to know that we've actually. That not only that our offensive line is performing well, but that we also have at least a little bit of depth at, along the line to where when a guy goes down, there's somebody capable sitting behind him that can fill in. Um, yeah, I'm but that's lo- good. That's good stats. That's good. That's good info. Yeah, I'm looking at my uh, Reddit post and I put Jake Conklin. By the way, just to let you know. Oh, Jesus, you put Jake I, on your Reddit post? Yes, I did. Wow. Uh, and nobody commented on that. No, well, I I only have four comments, but uh, yeah, no one no one mentioned it. So I just figured that they skipped over that and looked at the important things. So I guess yeah. it's similar enough to know that, to just assume that maybe it was a typo. But I'd like to go ahead and put you on blast and just <laughs> let everyone know that you're an idiot. A uh, couple, I went ahead and uh, one thing I like to do. I don't know. I'm kind of a I'm kind of a press conference nerd. Like after the games, like one thing I really enjoy is like. Watching the, watching the press conference, like especially big games, like like I'm a big Bama fan, and like honestly, like one of my favorite things after we win the national title, like we always do, is um, <laughs> like I'll sit, I'll sit around and wait. Like the the trophy, the trophy presentation and stuff, like that's all cool, but I love the press conferences. Like press conferences after like the Super Bowl, national championships, like that's the best. Both sides, like seeing the winning teams press conference and the losing teams. I don't know why. I've just always enjoyed that. So one thing I do after all the Titans games is, I mean, I obviously listen to Mullerke's press conference, but I go back through and kind of sift through quotes from the players to just kind of get a vibe from the locker room. And um, just a couple good ones that I found from this week because, I mean, it's always easier to get a good quote after a win than a loss, except for Taylor Lewan, who, I mean, we kind of touched on this previously, but Taylor Lewan saying um, home games – I think the question was, why do we play so much better on the road than at home? And he was like, well, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Our home games are like an away game anyway, which I'm going to put that on the fans. Um, I think it's I think it's time to put the, once they start winning, we'll show up excuse to bed. Like, I, And that's not because I'm saying, oh, we're two and three. It's time to stop saying win and show up. We're winning. We won two games. No, 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 no. That That's not it. But... I think fans are I think they've just got a lot of pent up aggression and disappointment with a lot of other teams and they're not giving this specific team a fair shot. They've just got a lot of anger and aggression that they're just un they're just aiming at anybody and anything that they can. Yeah, it's um, been we've 
we've been, I want to say, mistreated by the Titans for so long that so many people have become Fairweather fans, right? That, oh, well, I'll go if they're playing well or I'll go if we've got a decent run at the playoffs or whatever. But other than that, I'm just going to sit at home and watch all the other games and not just because Titans are going to lose anyways. And, And coming up shortly here in the interview I had with Jim Wyatt, um, he actually has a really good answer. I kind of asked him about um, ownership, and um, I, I mentioned how ownership failed to conduct a, a thorough coaching search um, before they ended up hiring Malarkey. And uh, he actually had a really good answer, and got it got somewhat defensive. And he he personally was obviously angered at fans and um, how they are not giving this coaching staff and this team um, a fair shot without. Before judging them, the he says he's getting a lot of fans are judging them a lot based off last year's results. When the, the last year is, is irrelevant, yeah, sure, Malarkey was an interim coach last year, but he had he was coaching with Ken Wisenhut's staff and a roster that is sixty five percent different, or sorry, fifty five percent different than the roster he has right now. Um. So this is just a completely different team, and they have showed that in every game. I mean, outside of Minnesota, who honestly looks to be one of the best teams in the league this year, despite everything that they've had thrown against them, losing Teddy Bridgewater and losing Adrian Peterson. I mean, if you told me that the Vikings were going to be in, after five games, they would have no Teddy Bridgewater and no Adrian Peterson, and you said, what do you think their record is? I'd say they'd be lucky to be 1-4. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be damned, they're 5-0 they're and, oh and they look great. That defense is legit. Um, so, I mean, outside of the Minnesota game, we have been we have been extremely close in every game. I mean, you can argue that we should have won, should have won in Oakland. Um, penalties killed us. I don't really think you can argue the Texas, the, I mean, the Houston game. We did a lot of things that kind of shot ourselves in the foot. So, I mean, yeah, you can say if we didn't do that, we would have won. But, I mean, if you can take away turnovers or special teams touchdowns in any game, you're probably going to win. That's like that's like a quick aside, the, the Vols last week against Texas A&M. Um, yeah, that was a really fun game to watch. Kept you on the edge of your seat. But, I mean, I had Vols fans saying, that, like, they should have won that game. And the hell you should have. You guys turned the ball over seven times. Any team that turns the ball over seven times doesn't deserve to win a game. Honestly, they should be thankful that they didn't get blown out by 30. <laughs> How they didn't get blown out by 30 is A&M's fault. A team hands you the ball seven times, you should do something with it. Yeah. But that's that's a different soapbox for a completely different podcast. Um, but I think fans need to show up and rally around this team, especially against Cleveland. Like, if I hear people that are at the game this week saying that they go to the game and – hear cheers for Cleveland. Yeah, like no, the, that's... There have been other teams coming in and having chants. Like yeah. their team chants that you can audibly hear and the players can distinguish. Like that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, if that was the... Browns was chant the... going around on Sunday, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no, that was the worst thing I remember about going to the Dolphins game last year. Is yeah, that uh, you could audibly reason... hear the Dolphins chant. Yeah, and I remember here like, for some this reason is Dan Marino was there. Yeah, Dan Marino was at the game last year, and you could hear Marino chants throughout the entire stadium. It's ridiculous, and I mean the, the guy and players alike. I mean Delaney Walker and his players show. I mean he says it's 
he says it's it's frustrating, and then the players take note of that, and it's annoying. Like especially especially when we're on offense, like it's supposed to be quiet for our offense, and fans are going crazy. And he's like, "What are you guys doing? Why is it so loud? You guys are supposed to be quiet for us." And then he realizes that it's not our fans making the noise. It's it's there's so many visiting fans in the stadium that, that there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, which is uh-huh. super frustrating, right? Because there's fans like us who are who are all in and want to be those fans that show up and do that and are quiet on offense and are just super rowdy and loud and Titans chanting on defense and just going crazy. But we just, I mean, we're few in number, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's frustrating. But uh, one of the big quotes I saw was from Derek Morgan. Uh, he said, quote, we showed what we're capable of. We have to build on this and keep it going. It's just one game. We have to win back-to-back. And we're 2-3, and three, below 500. We are headed in the right direction, but we have to build on this as a team. And this was a big thing that we focused on after the Detroit win on the show was for this team to win back-to-back. They have not won back-to-back games since 2013. Three years since our last back-to-back win. Um... But, I mean, if you listen to what's coming out of the locker room from Malarkey, um, he's telling the team that we're focused on beating Cleveland. We're not focused on winning back-to-back games. We're not focused on this three-game homestand we have in front of us. We're focused on beating Cleveland. Because for the last two years, you can't say that we've beat Cleveland. Uh, but before we get too far into Cleveland, that's that's where we're headed next. Let's go ahead and let's, uh, let's take a listen to I Got a Chance to meet up well not meet up but i got a chance to talk with jim wyatt uh earlier earlier today he had some really good things to say so let's go ahead and take a listen to that real quick again we're joined by jim wyatt of uh, titansonline.com uh jim uh titans got a w this week against uh the dolphins on the road that was a big win uh to kind of stop a skid that we were on but uh this team has struggled against at home against any team not named the jacksonville jaguars how important do you think it is to the players and the coaches to kind of get back on track this three-game homestand um not just to improve their record but to also kind of energize the fan base and regain some uh home field advantage that we're lacking right now yeah i think it's key i mean i, I remember you know back in the early days this franchise you know 99 got it 2003 when they went to the playoffs four times in five years. I mean, it was pretty much given early on that they were going to win at home. And uh, difficult place to play. You know, you're expecting things to go your way there. It just seems like that those teams found a way to win. And it's been the complete opposite here of life in your home games. I know this fan base is starving uh, for a winner and starving to leave that stadium feeling good, and it just hasn't happened. You know, a, I know Michael Lark, a lot of players have been asked this week you know, how important it is you know, to get on a roll here with three straight home games, and all of them kind of dipped that question in the bud and, and just focused it on Cleveland. Yeah, a big stretch, but you got to win the first one, and, uh, and then try to just build momentum. It's been a couple of years since this team's won two games in a row, so Sunday's huge, and then if Team went on Sunday, then look the focus uh, Indianapolis, then after that in Jacksonville. But you know, looking at it, it's a big opportunity for them, no doubt. Yeah, and it seems like I mean, obviously, Demarco has been the star of the offense this season. 
Um, and until this week, he's kind of been the only bright spot because Marcus obviously struggled the first four games of the season. Um, do you think that's a that's a scheme issue where maybe this smash mouth exotic system really fits DeMarco, but it, it doesn't quite suit Marcus or was it just simply just maybe a shaky start for a quarterback in his second year? Yeah, I, mean, I think certainly some of it is, uh, you know, opponents. I mean, you got to take into consideration that playing against the Minnesota team that's now 5-0 and playing against a, a Raiders team, even though they have a great reputation on defense. They're 4-1 and have been able to find ways to win. Uh, Houston's got a good defense. I think some of that comes into play. Obviously, Marcus Mariota needs to be better and it was better in Miami. I think a lot of it. Is him getting adjusted to a new offense and a new scheme, but and also getting used to new receivers. I mean, you look at the receiving core, DeMarco Murray leads the way in catches, but guys like Tajay Sharp, Sharp Matthews, Audrey Johnson, none of these guys were on the team last year, and I just think it takes time to build chemistry with guys. You know, Kendall Wright's still not there yet, even, even though he returned a couple weeks ago. They played without him for a while. I mean, he's got to get back in the swing of things. Played a game with that Delaney Walker. There's been a lot of factors, I think, that have slowed him down. And I think, you know, the tight still like game of Miami will be, will help them kind of jumpstart the offense and help jumpstart Mariota. Yeah, and you said, uh, I mean, you said the team's obviously focused on Cleveland, a team that's beat us the last two years. Um, also, a big, a big thing with recent Titans victories is they've all been followed by losses for as, about as long as I can remember now, going back a couple seasons. Um, how focused is the team to just kind of get this monkey off their back with Cleveland um, going into this week? Well, I mean, you're right in that they haven't won two games in a row since the end of the 2013 season. And they've had some big wins, you know, whether it's the season over City a couple of years ago, the season over in Tampa Bay. You'll think you know, the team's going to get a little momentum uh, around the next week and lose. I mean, they had an emotional win last year in New Orleans. They weren't able to sustain it. Had an emotional win in Detroit this this season, and, and they were able to sustain it. I think winning two in a row would be huge. I think would take you know take that monkey off the back a little bit. As you mentioned uh, Cleveland. There's no Jimmy. I mean, people look at the being 0 and 5 and think, okay, this game tight to win. I know the Titans were favored, but, you know, Titans look good going to that game in Cleveland last year. And all of a sudden, 14 nothing right out of the gate. They lose. They lost the game against Cleveland, even though a lot of these guys on the team now weren't around for it. I, would, I certainly remember, and a lot of Titans fans remember team jumping out 28 3 to the Browns a couple of years ago, only to lose that game 29 28. So, Gotta find a way to win this game. You, know, you gotta find a way to win two in a row, and uh, gotta find a way to win at home. I, I think it's a really, really big game for the. You know, it's gonna kind of shape the way this season goes. But there's a big difference between two and four and three and three, especially when you're you're competing in AFC South, where it's wide open right now. Yeah, you're right. The division is wide open, and it'll probably be that way for foreseeable future. Um, is the vibe you get from the players um, in the locker room in regards to uh, Malarkey and, I mean, I guess now even John Robinson, com- different, much different compared to when Wiz and uh, Rustin Webster were in charge? How so? Well, I think, you know, 
Well, man, this team's definitely behind Michael Arden, and they, they like him as a coach, they like his mindset, the way he treats them, and, and just kind of his philosophy as a football coach to be physical and to play tough and to, and to kind of play for one another. I mean, they, they fought in, and uh, they believe in him. And uh, they believe in John Robinson. I mean, that guy who's been here around, around here for a while that has endured some of these tough years, uh, yeah, there's no question they probably question the commitment. And I, I don't think with what we've seen from John Robinson and ownership of the golf season, you can do that. I mean, they go ahead and play for DeMarco Murray, who's been the team's best player so far. John Robinson makes five straight, uh, you know, just the off season, and including the, the green back of the and start the uh, season back in camp. I mean, uh, he's, he's doing what he needs to do turn this thing around. And, uh, you know, that was great out of that number one pick. They got Jack, ended up getting Jack Conklin who's been a bright spot and also got a pick for next year. And I think ownership, you know, just look around the locker room and see the changes that have been made uh, inside the facility and, and at the stadium. I mean, it, I think there's as much momentum, you know, in this franchise that has been in a long time. And, uh, yeah, not everything sticks overnight, but just with the move they made from a personnel standpoint, the move they made the front office, the move they made uh, you know, within the organization, with the facility, I think there's a lot of positive uh, you know, that's important to it. Players, no question, see it. I mean, all they got to do is walk down the hall and see how much different it is, not only from aesthetically, but just the veteran leadership that's in that locker room. Uh, and guys who've been on winning teams who have helped change culture. Uh, <clears throat> kind of staying with the malarkey, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, this offseason, ownership pretty much completely failed to complete a thorough coaching se- search, and they just kind of gave malarkey the job. So obviously, there's fans that don't agree with that, but he's the guy now, and you kind of got to stick with him. And it, I mean, he's done a fairly decent job so far, as is what I would say. But um, he's obviously in the good graces with ownership due to the lack of coaching search. So just how long of a leash, a leash does uh, Malarkey have going forward through this season? Is this a situation where his record this season is kind of irrelevant, or is he? are they going to put pressure on him to kind of produce significant improvement right away? Well, that's all. You know, earlier this, you know, just a week or so ago, it was ridiculous line of questioning about him being on the hot seat. Uh, you, know, at, you know, in the wake of Bobby April being uh, fired as special teams coach, and it's just you know, kind of ridiculous chatter at this point. I mean, and, and, and I think probably you know, the line of questioning you know, sort of took into account Bobby April being let go early and took into account probably King Woodenbund, you know, being let go just you know, six, seven games in his second year. But you got to take into consideration, yeah, you mentioned it wasn't a long coaching surge, and the reason uh, it wasn't is because ownership believed in Mike Malarkey, and they saw him work. They they think that he is the right man for the job. Yeah, they could have put on more of a, of a charade and made and interviewed a lot more people, but it was very clear early on that Mike Malarkey is someone that, that Amy Adams trusted and feels like he can win for her and for this franchise, and uh, you know, 
she made the decision, and so that she's not all of a sudden, you know, a handful of games, then all of a sudden gets the side, she made the wrong move. I mean, people that expect this team to go from 3 and 13 to, to go to win the first 8, 10, 12 games uh, start the season are very unrealistic. I mean, you got to give the man time to to build the, you know, the team he wants to, to kind of establish a mindset, to establish a culture. Yes, I get the fact that people were frustrated, uh, you know, that, that he was brought back after the way last season ended. But uh, people are going to have to get over some bad feelings they have about him and give this man a chance to win. And uh, because the owner is going to give him a chance to, to win. Uh, and uh, you know, that's just the way it's going to go. So, uh, players like Mike Malarkey, John Robinson, uh, the GM who worked with them like Mike Malarkey, and ownership like Mike Malarkey. And, uh, you know, he's going to have time to, to turn this thing around. And, uh, and that's, uh, you know, that's the best way to, to lay out what the climate is and what the, what the forecast is moving forward. I mean, uh, people are going to have to get on board that this is the head coach. And, uh, and Yeah, definitely. Um, <clears throat> you're in and around the locker room a lot, obviously, with your job. Um, who, For you personally, who do you enjoy speaking to the most when it comes to like getting an interview from a player or a coach? Who, who's the best guy to go talk to? Well, it's, 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 it's funny. It's, it's a different locker room now and that there are a lot of, a lot of guys that qualify as, uh, as good Spokesman. I mean, when this team made selected captain this year, it was a hard decision. And there used to be you could look at the loss and say, okay, this guy will be a captain, this guy will be a captain, this guy will be a captain. Now, there are guys that, that, didn't, that weren't named captains that very well could have been, and that's because the veteran leadership was so much better. I mean, uh, you know, Delaney Walker's a, a great spokesman for the offense, and uh, you know, certainly has been around here through some some tough years and uh, you know defensively they've got a lot of you know, and there are a lot of guys on offense that are that are good spokesmen that are kind of leaders that kind of go about their business in a in a in a, a quieter manner. And, you know, defensively Brian Arakpo, you know, Derek Morgan, Wesley Woodger, Jason McCoy, I mean, there's a whole bunch of guys that uh, that are good team leaders and uh, uh, I think that's, that's kind of a, become a strength of this team. I mean, it's the leadership and the guys who can help them uh, you know, sort things out uh, You know, when things are a little bit rocky and having to get through some turbulent times. And then I could go through a long list of guys who I consider to be uh, you know, really good interviews and, and really good leaders. All righty, Jim. Well, we really appreciate you joining us again. This has been uh... – Jim Wyatt of Titans Online. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports. He's a super good follow. Keeps you up to date with everything Titans related. Uh, appreciate you coming on and joining us, Jim. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate you having me on. All right. Trey, what would you think of that? I I thought it was great. Um, I mean, Jim's such a great guy. Uh, the way that... The way that he he talks he talks to you is as if I mean he was talking to a high level guy at ESPN right there's no difference he's talking to a 
a guy that knows what he's talking to he's talking about and he is just enthusiastic as talking to us as he is talking to uh somebody who i guess is more uh important in the media circuit yeah i mean i think i thought he was awesome i mean just just the fact that he took time out of his day to to talk to us was cool but i mean i mean he didn't he didn't treat it like it was just just a small local podcast interviewing him either i mean he gave solid answers he's a, he's he's a true pro um and i mean I, i've had him on the show when we had a, when we started the show two years ago uh it was funny i actually got a facebook memory um probably two days ago that said two years ago jim wyatt was on the show so it's funny that he's back on the show in almost the same the same time but a uh, super cool guy uh really appreciate him coming on the show and if you guys don't uh read his stuff you really need to check out titansonline.com he's got awesome articles really good content um every week they've got a couple features that they do but i mean his overall quality of his, of his uh articles are really good i'd highly suggest it but um all right we've moved on from the dolphins let's go ahead and let's look ahead to cleveland uh browns are 0 and 5 nfl's only winning and winless team so it's kind of a beat them or get laughed at kind of situation. Like, we're expected to win this game. Like, of any of the games on the schedule, you're expected to beat Cleveland. Yes. I mean, like you said, this is a beat them or get laughed at game. If we lose this game, it does not matter whatever we what else we do for the rest of the season. It, to me, to be completely honest, no one is going to take us seriously at all if we lose to Cleveland. Yeah, no. And, and the players know that. The players know that if they lose this game, then uh, the fans, the media, uh, other teams, they're going to be like, wow, you guys. I mean, it's just like when we lost to Jacksonville a couple years ago. Um, when Jacksonville was on a huge losing streak, I think they were 0-8 at the time, and then they, they came into town and beat us. And it was just like, really? We lost to Jacksonville? Delaney Walker mentioned that on his uh, his weekly show with Midday 180 this week. Um, he, he said he mentioned... Uh, that time that we lost to Jacksonville, he said he came out and kind of made some comments uh, that made him kind of look like an ass uh, because he thought there was no way that we would lose to Jacksonville. And then after the loss, he was just kind of speechless. He was just like, I mean, I, I can't believe we actually lost to them. So he was definitely a big proponent in taking Cleveland seriously. I mean, it, it is the NFL. Any team can win on any given week. And Cleveland's had close games. Yeah, they got drummed last week by Tom Brady and the Patriots, but that everybody and their mother knew that Brady wasn't going to come out and lay an egg in his yeah. first game back. Um, so they were just kind of the helpless victim in that scenario. Um, but they've had they've had two close games. They took Miami to overtime. Um, so I guess I mean honestly, if you kind of look at it that way, it kind of gives you some optimism. The Titans just got done beating the brakes off of Miami, and Cleveland took them to overtime. So, but like I said, every week in the NFL is different. Um, I don't know if you've ever played Pick'em Tray, but last year I put twenty bucks in the pot to play in a, in a pretty big Pick'em league. I think there's thirty or forty guys in this Pick'em league. So I mean, the prize, like the the overall jackpot prize, was really big. But all I did was learn that I'm really bad at picking NFL games. <laughs> like, if I could go over five hundred, it was a good week. And, th- and that's just kind of how the NFL is. Like every week, there's two or three games that almost nobody predicts. Like you kind of just gotta be lucky. Or just be like, ah, oh, hope this happens, and just call some random bullshit, and then maybe yeah. it happens. Yeah, I mean, um, 
I mean, we go ahead and look at the Cle- Cleveland's, really their team. I mean, their their quarterback situation has been, I mean, less than optimal. I mean, that's the most positive thing you could say about it. I mean, it's it's been horrendous, right? I mean, I think uh, Cody Kessler started what two games, two maybe three games. Yeah, they've started uh, the Browns like the first team since like the '60s. They've had five different quarterbacks um, attempt at least five passes in the first five games. So I mean, like it's week five, and they've already run through the, the quarterback carousel. Um, they actually had clipboard Jesus uh, throw a couple passes for him. A lot of Titans fans know yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, um, he's the... actually gotten released already. So this week <laughs> they expect Cody Kessler to play. Uh, Josh McCown is supposed to be the backup, uh, and I think they've promoted Chris Hogan or Chris Hagen. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm pulling a tray and I can't remember. Um, the guy, he's the quarterback that was at Stanford last year. He's a rookie, so they've promoted him off the practice squad to be like an emergency quarterback. And I mean, they've also got Terrell Pryor, who was no slouch when he was quarterback in Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, we got to look at. Um, there are obviously there's there's strong points. Uh, it's got to be the run game, right? I mean, Isaiah Crowell is is putting up similar numbers to Demarco Murray this season. So yeah, uh, he really is. I mean, I, I was right before the show, I was doing a little research on Cleveland, and I was kind of surprised when I looked at his numbers. Uh, he's got a little less than 50 less rushing yards than Demarco. Uh, both have three touchdowns, but Crowell's done it on 19 less carries. So that was kind of impressive. But he's not really a he doesn't provide the impact in the receiving game that DeMarco does. Yeah. So that's kind of the difference there. When they looked, when they need a receiver, they kind of look to Duke Johnson as a change of pace back. He's more of a speed back and has better hands out of the backfield. But uh, Crowell is not something we need to be take lightly. But their offensive line is beat up, so I think this is an opportunity for the Titans' defensive line to kind of feast again. And that's a big reason why we looked so good uh, defensively against the Dolphins. Was I mean, they had... They scratched seven starters for that game, and their offensive line was beat up. So we were able to just tee off on Ryan Tannehill. Oh yeah, um, I mean, I've, I mean, I remember at the end of the game, uh, Ryan Arakpo getting two sacks back to back. It was just sends chills down my spine. I was just laughing. I was so excited. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, and the the Brown. I mean, the Browns are 0 five. They've obviously been struggling in pretty much every area. But uh, one of the big problems they've had is stopping the run. Uh, they give up a lot of big plays. I mean, last week they had plays of over, they had plays of 27, 33, 45, and 66. Big, big chunk plays. Again, that's the Patriots. That's kind of an outlier. But, but they've given up big plays this year. Um, they don't have a real pass rusher anymore. Uh, their defensive coordinator is actually uh, Tim Horton. Uh, Titans fans should know that name. Uh, he was our defensive coordinator last year under, well, with Dick LeBeau, quote-unquote, advising. Yeah, um, quote-unquote. Sent him packing with Wiz. And it doesn't seem that he's doing much better in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's giving up an average of 30 points a game. So, I mean, the Titans haven't been known to put up a lot of points this season. But hopefully we just kind of, and, that, and that's exactly what the players are talking, is take the Miami game and just continue to build off of it. Yeah, copy-paste. You don't want to look, yeah, exactly. You don't want to look at the Miami game and see that as an outlier, like, wow, Titans looked really good that week. You want to see that as the start to something, like the first domino that started a winning streaker, that started consistent play for Mariota and the offense's ability to 
put points on the board, not turn it over. Um, so you want that to be the start of something, not just a fluke. Um, again, this is like Jim said, and like we've referenced a few times, this is a chance to win back-to-back games. Um, good news injury-wise, Norris Cersei is going to be back in the lineup. Um, so that And that'll help the special teams, because with Cersei being inserted back in the lineup, that allows Damian Stafford to help out on special teams now. Um, like he was in the past. He's one of our best special teams players. But with Cersei out and him having to start at safety, you couldn't really risk him getting injured on a on a special teams play. Um, I think the keys to victory this week, you got to continue to dominate the run game with DeMarco. But I think you have to dominate the run game offensively and defensively. DeMarco and Derrick Henry, and I'll throw Marcus in there. I mean, he showed that he could, he could run it last week. Um... They all three have to be effective again. And then defensively, you have to limit Isaiah Crowell and Duke Johnson. Uh, we've proven throughout this year that we can shut down a, a running back. I mean, Adrian Peterson came in and ran for 30 yards. That's awesome. We need to continue that. Defense has to defense has to win the run game. Um, number two, uh, probably the biggest point on this list, is clean up special teams. We talked about it before the show. If we give up another punt return, I'm, I'm going to cut my wrist. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, firing Bobby April obviously didn't have the effect that they thought it would. Um, I mean, there was really, there, I really saw no difference uh, between last week and the week before. Both weeks he gave up punt returns, both weeks special teams looks terrible. Mark Mariani may be a fan favorite, but he's really doing nothing special in the return game. He's not hurting us either, so that's good. But we got to be better. Um, and then three is you got to continue to limit penalties and win the turnover battle. If you can do that in any game, you're going to put yourself in a situation to win. But this team has proven that that is a huge focal point to whether we win or lose. If we can win the turnover battle, and if we can limit the silly mistakes, especially on offense, that kill our drives. Uh, Taylor Lewan had a couple more drive-killing penalties last week, but you kind of take that with him. He's such a good left tackle that you're going to sacrifice him giving up a couple penalties for the overall reward of his game. Yeah, for I mean, I'm not going to knock him for being for getting a couple penalties when that energy that he provides and the level of his game at this point is so great that, I mean, I'm just going to say, you know what, that's fine. You get two penalties, that whatever. We'll deal with that. But one thing I really want, one thing I would like to see as well is I would like to see us go back-to-back games with no sacks. I, yeah, I that, that, that's and awesome. that's gonna be the thing. If that happens, I'm gonna look up. Well, and I would like to do that now. Actually, look up the last time that that happened for us, which yeah. I, Lord knows how long that's been. Yeah, I'm really not sure, but you're you're right. Uh, keeping Marcus's jersey clean is is a huge deal and um, I'm sure that'll be a focus as it is every weekend for the most part this season we have uh, he he's stayed off his back fairly fairly good number yeah, especially I mean, compared seven to last sacks year is seven sacks compared to 20 of last year right exactly uh, so we're on the right track and I, I mean this offensive line has proven that they can they can keep him healthy and they can keep him upright so that's good um, I'm really not too worried about this game, like when I look at the stat sheet and I compare the teams, I know that we should win this game. This is just kind of one of those games where I, like I said, when I was watching last week, I just had this pessimistic mood. 
Yeah, you're like you're... I look at this game and know we should win, but for from the last few years and just being a Titans fan, I'm like, don't guarantee anything. Like <laughs> they just when I think they're on the right track and that they will win, they will break your heart. Oh yeah, <laughs> in no, the worst I mean, way possible. For... For, for the for the last like two or three years my whole motto has been i'm i'm in an abusive relationship with the tennessee titans exactly so they'll, you'll just they'll just slap you around week after week after week and when you're about tired of it and you can't deal with it anymore they'll give you a win and then you're right back in they'll slap you around for 16 more games and same thing will happen again yeah it's just this weird like cycle it's like they beat you down, they beat you down, they give you a sliver of hope, you're excited for a week. They beat you down, they beat you down, they give you a sliver <laughs> of hope, you're excited for a week. They beat you down, beat you down. Then the season's over, and then they do all this stuff in the off season that gets you like super excited. Like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll like never way f- more excited than you should ever be. And then they just beat you down, beat you down, beat you down. <laughs> I'll never forget when we were watching, what was it, the 2015 draft? When we drafted... Uh... Bishop Sankey. Oh God, yeah, we were so because excited. We after after we watched that, we were like Bishop Sankey. We haven't really seen him think a lot out of Bishop Sankey, so we went on and watched his Washington State highlights. And oh my goodness, we were head over heels. Like I need to buy a Bishop Sankey jersey tonight. We need to get this rolling. He's going to be the next Chris Johnson. This is going to be the future of our team. And man, were we wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well. I think that about does it for this show. Um, again, I'd like to give a shout-out to Jim Wyatt. Um, huge thank you. Huge thank you for coming oh, on the yeah. show and joining us. Um, and we're going we're gonna to kind of put some feelers out there to a couple different people and try and get more guests on the show. Um, obviously, like we've been doing the past few weeks, we really want to connect with the Reddit community. Um, if you guys have anybody that you think would be a cool guest, um, we've already got a couple of ideas around, but if you think of anybody, um, let us know. Tweet us. Put it in the comment on our Reddit posts, whatever. Um, you guys know how to reach us. Um, this was a good show. Hopefully, again, we're talking about a win next week coming off of Cleveland. And this is a very winnable stretch of games. So hopefully the next few episodes are very positive in nature. Um, <laughs> we appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I'm Darren Hobbs, joined by Trey Watson. As always, follow us on Twitter, at FTNB Podcast. And... Uh, Look for our posts on Reddit. And uh, we'll see you guys in the nosebleeds next week.